0: earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. This episode is brought to you by Visit
1: Williamsburg. Welcome back to the Radiate Wellness Podcast. Today, we radiate knowledge with William Wildblood. William was born in London after a period of working as an antique dealer. He left the UK to run a guest house in South India for several years, and then another in France, where he was also an occasional guide at the medieval abbey of Le Mont Saint-Michel, He returned to England at the end of the 20th century, since when he's worked for BBC magazines in various capacities, including seven years as an antique columnist, and now is the author of Earth is a School, which is a topic I could truly get behind. Hello, William. It's good to have you on here today.
2: Hello, Christine. I'm very grateful to be given the opportunity to speak about this new book with you.
1: Yes, Earth is a school. You know, looking at your background, William, um, managing guest houses, running tours, diving into the history of some of these places, um, is Earth is a school, is that a departure for you?
2: No, it isn't, actually, because everything that you read out in the bio is, is um, peripheral to my main interest, really, because since my early 20s, my main interest has been in spirituality and religion Mm. and I uh, had certain experiences early on in life which have set me on that path and I've kept on that path all my life so so I've done certain things which come out in the bio but the the main focus of my life has always been the spiritual.
1: Interesting so I'm wondering if you had seen some kind of of interesting things that the uh, the Abbey of Mont Saint-Michel, perhaps with the history and the religiosity of it. And then uh, also in South India, we tend to think of India as a very spiritual place. Did you encounter anything that was interesting there?
2: Uh, yes, several things, several things, because in a way, the reason I went to India, which I did with a friend in about oh, was in the 80s, was to... Live a spiritual life without without distraction, a life which is more meditative, contemplative. I was never um, I never followed any particular Indian path, though I, I learned about many of them and I was very interested in them, because I I think of myself as a Christian. I always have, uh, still do. Probably not quite the regular sort of Christian, but but um, still, I, Christianity is is focal for me and. That's one of the reasons that I went to live in France. Although I happened to be uh, in a place near probably one of the most famous abbeys from the Middle Ages. By coincidence, it's only because I met somebody who had a house for sale. He said, "We'd like to buy this house. I can't sell it. I want to get rid of it. <laughs> I'll give it to you for not very much." So there I went again with a friend, and this was close to Le Mans Saint Michel, which is extraordinary. Medieval abbey uh, that's built on a little island in the Bay of Mont Saint Michel.
1: That sounds incredible. Uh, that I, wow! I can't even tell you what I would do with a property like that. It sounds amazing just to be there and soak it up and soak up the history and everything else. I'm sure it was haunted. Did you notice well, any spirits
2: or the house or the abbey? <laughs> um, yes, both. Either. Um, it may have been I I never saw any ghosts Uh, I have never seen a ghost I I know people who have seen ghosts I I believe in ghosts Um, I'd quite like to meet a ghost so I know that I wasn't frightened you know (laughs) stand up to the ghost but um, I don't think this house had been haunted it had been apparently it had been over because it was in Normandy it had been overtaken or used by the Nazis in the second world war and there was some nazi graffiti uh written when we when we stripped some of the paint off which was you know takes you back a bit (laughs) and takes you back as well but um there was no bad feeling when we were there it was a it was a nice feeling and the abbey uh I think ghosts probably belong to the lower levels of of the next world. So in, in something like an abbey, unless you've got some monk who was a bad boy, you're probably not going to get ghosts because the the atmosphere will be purer and, and cleaner and the, the place is spiritualized. So you don't get what you might call the, the lower vibrations of the ghost world. Although sometimes you do because as we know, some monks are not quite as monastic as they ought to be.
1: <laughs> this is true. It's a place with that much history. I think I'm so interested because we're recording today on Halloween 2021, although this episode will air or publish sometime later, but it's kind of on my mind right now. So I thought it would be an interesting question uh, concerning history, etc. So, um, yeah, let's let's talk about your book, Earth is a School. So what does that mean to you, Earth is a School?
2: Well, it means that human souls come to this Earth to learn spiritual lessons. And in my understanding, we are not created at uh, conception or birth or whatever. We, we exist on a spiritual level before birth, Mm -hmm. and we come down to this world, which is a world of pain and suffering, as I think we all know, because there are certain lessons that we can learn here through challenge and hardship that we can't learn in in the the spiritual worlds, because the spiritual worlds are worlds of oneness and peace and, and bliss. And perhaps when human souls begin, they are they're one with life, one with God, but they're unconsciously so. They're not really aware of that. They're kind of bathed in, in bliss, but they have no real intelligence. If, if we think of these as little new, newborn souls, they're just sitting up there and they have to come to a world where there is difficulty and where they have trials and tribulations mm-hmm. through which they can become more aware of themselves, uh, more aware of others, because I don't think the newborn soul on a spiritual level is particularly aware of other souls, because it's just in a in a state of of pure bliss without awareness of anything outside that. Probably rather like a baby. I mean, the same patterns repeat themselves throughout life. So, I, I sometimes think of it as like a baby in its mother's breast. So, that's that's how we are with God at the very beginning, but we have to we have to leave that to become. Mature, mature souls, right? Because that's what the school is for. It's for making these little baby souls into gods.
1: So how do you feel the, the density, the strife, the difficulties of the earth school help shape these souls?
2: Because of the challenge. Because in this world, we can experience, which we can't do as a newborn soul on the spirit in the spiritual level because of this. It's like being bathed in a sea of bliss, really. We, you can't have any difficulty outside of that. But you come down to this world and you are asked questions. And when you're asked questions, you have to find answers. I mean, even a, a simple thing like having to earn your living is asking a question of you. But there are many other questions you're asked through your relationships, through your enmities even, you have to overcome what it is in you that creates all the, the negative feelings, which we all have. I mean, we we might try and cover them up or pretend we don't have, but we all have them. It's a natural human thing to have these anger, jealousy, and all the rest of the list, which we all know. So we get those difficulties here, we get those challenges, and we get those tests and opportunities in a world of good and bad, of um, security and danger because I, I think that in heaven, in the pure spiritual world, we don't need courage because there is no danger. But in later, the later heaven, the kingdom of heaven to which we are destined, it does need people who have shown courage because then they have that quality within them. You see what I mean? Yeah. and here is the place where you, you get tested for that it brings out it brings out potential that's what this world does
1: true that this is true and just like um any work of literature even a film if there's not a struggle there's nothing for the uh for the main characters to grow from and it would make yeah, a so, story yeah. if there were no struggles
2: well, that, that's exactly it. Because who would want to watch a film like that,
1: <laughs> right? Where everything is sunshine and rainbows, and then you know they live happily ever after. There's no, there's no arc. There's no uh, trajectory for this soul to to go to to grow. And of course, that's what it's all about. Um, as Dolores Cannon said, um, you know, when we come to forget, we come because we come here to forget all of these spiritual principles that we've learned and, you know, what's the use of taking the test if you know already know the answers? So um, what is what is your feeling about why we don't remember that bliss when we come here, why we don't remember all of the things we had learned on the other side when we come? Or do well,
2: you know, I think some of us do to begin with. At, at any rate, you know that famous line from Wordsworth's poem about trailing clouds of glory mm. so the small child probably does have this this sense of coming from a, a blissful place after all what's the first thing I know there's a, a, a physical explanation for it what's the first thing baby does when it comes into this world starts crying <laughs> so, <laughs> I know they say that's supposed to get the lungs working but you know maybe there's another reason as well <laughs> I think, Exactly. Oh, no. What have I done? <laughs> well, I'm being a little bit facetious. But the the thing is, I think we do remember a little bit. I know I did. And I... Did you? Well, not not literally. I didn't remember, hey, that, you know, I, I came from this beautiful place. But I knew that this wasn't... I hadn't just started up, as it were. And I knew I had come from somewhere of greater consciousness and less claustrophobia because I think one of the things that you feel sometimes in this world is a sense of what I call spiritual claustrophobia whereby things just weigh in on you. Your oh. consciousness is constricted and you have a sense that there is something greater and wider and more expansive outside that but, but you're stuck in your head so you, you can't really get out. So when I was small I would remember looking at the sky and thinking that's where I came from had this feeling. And now, as often, you tend to remember the memories rather than actually remember the thing itself. When, when you get older, you, you, remember, you remember remembering stuff, but you don't really remember the stuff with the same degree anyway. And I think that's right, because if you kept this feeling of spiritual bliss, you wouldn't be able to function in this world properly. So I think that's one reason to answer your question why we can't remember. I mean, apart from the fact that we have, we're operating through a physical brain, even though we are a spiritual soul in the physical body, we still have to operate through the physical brain. So that is, uh, that's a new construction. But then again, if we did remember too much of the past, we'd just probably want to kill ourselves, wouldn't we, get back there? Although that wouldn't work, and I should hasten to add.
1: <laughs> no, I should hasten to add that as well. It doesn't work like yes. we might think it would. Um, it said, you know, it's a terrible idea.
2: No, we'd uh, we'd we'd be in some kind of limbo because we'd be we'd be deserting our post, es- escaping our duty, and also this is where we want to be, even if we find it hard to be in this world.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I, I believe we have asked to come here, said so because we want to. Develop our souls. Mm-hmm. We don't just want to stay in a static perfection on the spiritual plane. We, we want to increase and become greater and more. That's,
3: mm-hmm. And that's
2: part of the, the school idea. I got this Earth. Uh, sorry, go on. You would go on. No, no, please. Well, I got this Earth is a school statement from some teachers that I had in my. 20s and pretty much up to 40. And this was the, the spiritual experience I referred to at the beginning of our talk, whereby I was spoken to by certain discarnate spiritual beings who um, came to me through a, a channel, a medium, another person, and uh, instructed me. And Earth is a school is one of the things that they he said to me.
1: Oh, interesting. Yeah, how did that strike you at the time? Was that a new concept?
2: Yeah, it was. Um, so I was about 22. I was dissatisfied with my current life because it, uh, again, I had this feeling I'd always had that there was a greater world beyond this physical world. I didn't really see any kind of means to express that feeling. It's rather like having ideas, but not knowing a language. You know, you can't, you can't put your thoughts into words. And I obviously I was aware of Christianity. I'd been brought up in the Church of England. I was also aware of some Eastern religions to a small degree, but none of them really seemed to answer my questions in the way that I was asking them. And um, I I met somebody uh, and we began talking and we found we had things in common and uh, the long and short it was we decided to lead a spiritual life together, a contemplative life and we used to meditate every evening together and then one evening shortly after we started this he went into a deep state of trance and then uh, another being spoke through him in a Totally different voice. Um, first of all, naturally, being the kind of cynical person that I was, I was suspicious. I thought, first of all, do you first of all do you think, is this real? Is he is he putting this on? I knew him well enough by then at that time to know that he just wasn't that kind of person. He wasn't a a bad person anyway. He was totally honest. Then you think. Okay, even assuming this is a spirit of some kind, we know, and I did it by that time, that there are many levels on the next world. So what kind of spirit is this? Is this uh, just some low spirit who's having fun at my expense or who wants to receive praise or somehow draw energy from this exchange? But it was very apparent very early on that these were noble spiritual beings. Um, I say they because they were... Several of them uh, who would speak to me over the course of well, the next 20 years, actually. But it be- was more intense to begin with and then became less so as time went by. Mm-hmm. And they instructed me in the spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And, uh, what was their connection to you?
1: Had they known you before? How did they? Yeah. What, what is their connection? That, to
2: you? That is that is a great question. Um, they said they had. <laughs> um They said that, one thing they always called me, they never called me William, they called me my child, usually, Mm -hmm. which was sort of strange, but it was rather like a a wise abbot in a monastery might call one of the novice monks or something like that. Mm -hmm. And they spoke of the medium through whom they they came as our brother. So it, it was quite monastic in the way they spoke. But, um, they said that I was I had come from their world, which the the higher planes that we were talking about earlier, and I would return there after I'd done my duty in this world. So that was that was encouraging, but it also the fact was I had to do my duty.
1: <laughs> what did they outline your duty as?
2: Well, the, the lessons. This is a personal question. <laughs> oh, well, I'm so sorry. Feel free to
3: decline. <laughs> no, no,
2: no, no, I'm joking. It's. <laughs> Because although it is a personal question, it's something that applies to all of us. Because I think our spiritual lessons are are the same, really. We're all on the same kind of path, different points on that path. But the basic lessons they said that I had to come to learn, for the earth to learn this time around, were humility and love, the old old classics, (laughs) Mm -hmm. really. (laughs) So, what are you doing with that? How am I doing? Yes. That's not, not for me to say, madam. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm probably doing slightly better than I was when this started, but probably not as well as I should be, to put it that way.
1: Interesting. Well, you know, it's interesting that you, you speak of them as talking to you and this this channel in a brotherly uh, abbot to novice way I don't know I just keep coming back to this Abbot that you were completely blessed to be you know living near and it makes me wonder some you know if, what if you've got some ties there
2: well this started long before I, I um, went to France but yeah. I have I have to say that the the medium who I'll call Michael because that was his name and it's easier to, <laughs> to say than the medium the whole time he was uh, he was considerably older than me about 35 years older than me um, and he had been he'd done various things he'd been in india during the second world war where he served with the british army um, he had been a benedictine monk um oh my goodness. Sometime in the 50s but he'd gone from various extremes he from being a Bene- he before he was a benedictine monk he ran a kind of cl- country club in New York State somewhere. So he, was, he was an Englishman, but he, he was uh, living in America after the war. And then he, he became the Benedictine monk. Um, he left the monastery because he felt, much as he admired them, he didn't want to be a priest. And in the order in which he was, which was the Benedictine order, he would have had to have been a priest.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: he feels that he was, in a way, pushed out because his spiritual path was different to that of, of the monks. It was, It was. one well, doesn't want to say more expansive or more inclusive, but it was. <laughs> so, <laughs> then he, he went to India again. He lived in India for some time where he was uh, associated with some religious groups there, though never a member as such. He was always, always looking for a spiritual path that answered every question. Mm. Um, when I met him, he'd just come back from India um, and was living again in England. So he was the medium for, for these spiritual beings. And um, that was his his role, really, of at
1: God. this time. Sounds like you learned quite a bit from these spiritual beings.
2: Yes, I did. Um, the thing I learned most of all was I have to call it kind of like a vibration really it's they, they speak in words but their presence taught more than their words did yes their words didn't teach a lot because there'd be no point in saying them otherwise their words did teach a lot um and they could they could see into my heart I, I realized that fairly quickly you know we all we try and put on a a false front often don't we I mean try not to do it too much but but we all do we we don't reveal our true self most of the time, except people we know very well. But they could could see right into my heart. They knew things about me that I wasn't really aware of myself. And I didn't mind that because they were such oceans of love and wisdom that I didn't mind them knowing all about me because I realised they were so far beyond me that there was no point in me trying to put on some kind of fake show and after all, what's the point? They're there to teach me and therefore they have to bring out all that needs to be brought out, um, which they did. But, but it was their presence and their authority. And, and I use that, and their love, and I use that word because we use it an awful lot, don't we, in this world, love. But I, I feel that we don't really even begin to understand love in, in the sense of a real spiritual being. We're trying, we're we're getting there. Mm
3: -hmm.
2: But with us, it's mixed up with all sorts of other things. And often it's, it's a kind of horizontal thing, which might seem natural because, you know, our love goes out to other people, maybe to animals, to nature, to whatever. But in the spiritual world, I think love is first and foremost vertical, which means it goes up to God, first of all. And then it comes back from God and it, it fills you with his love. And then it goes out again. So that's that's how I conceive it. And they manifested that love. They manifested divine love to me. They did.
1: Oh my goodness. Yeah, tell tell me more about what you mean by that, manifesting divine love to you.
2: Well, as I say, it's it's through through their presence. They would. Whenever they left, they would give me a blessing. And, and they, they once said, I can't remember the exact words. I did take notes. And the first book I wrote, which was called Meeting the Masters, mm-hmm. uh, is a record of these um, these notes that I took. I took notes for the first year, so I got a fairly good record of that. Thereafter, I didn't so much. But it doesn't matter because it was quite a lot for the first year. But they would give me a blessing when they left. And they said, don't take this as just a a routine perfunctory. They didn't say perfunctory, (laughs) but they meant that. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a sort of like, hello, goodbye, I bless you, my son. This is a transference of, of grace, really. And I think that's what their love, manifested it manifested a kind of grace which which would descend on you and for a while until you sort of messed up again it would that sort of burn in your heart like a little burning coal in your heart and um of course you can't keep it up because you know you're you're human (laughs) but for a while at least and then also recollecting it you you have the recollection of this strong, wise, clean, noble, authoritative love, all all these things that, uh, like a fire, really, but a fire that heals and illumines.
1: Right, right. Mm. It it just sounds so beautiful. I'm kind of just lost in that whole concept of sitting with these masters and experiencing that, that source of divine love. That's quite amazing.
2: Well, there are two sides to that, I've got to tell you, because they were, they were masters, but they were taskmasters as well. So uh, there were times when I, I would, in their eyes, behave badly, give way to a, a sin, shall we say, like um, anger or pride. And they knew, and, and, and they, would, they would say to me, if they came in a day when that had happened, they would say, look this is, look what you've done, you've, you've really... I, I can't quite convey the, the formality of the way they spoke. I don't mean formality in a bad sense, but in a very dignified sense. So if I say, yes. they say I've messed up, they wouldn't say I've messed up. <laughs> but they would, they would say that uh, I had fallen down, something like that. And I sometimes they would say, if you wish us to continue to speak to you, you must put what we say into practice. Um, wow. It's fine. I mean, that's quite right. Why would you not say that? Absolutely. But it, it made you think that their love was... It could be a tough love sometimes,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now, it was
2: always loving. Even when it was tough, it was, it was loving. Mm-hmm.
1: So, in this analogy of Earth being a school, would these be the teachers, or would be they be more like the administrators in the curriculum development?
2: Well, I think I think there are they are teachers. That's certainly they are, but I think there are all sorts of teachers. I think in Christian tradition we all have our a guardian angel, don't we? A guardian angel, I don't think, is a teacher so much, as perhaps a, a protector. Um, but but I think we do all have teachers, but then there are different teachers, depending on what you're taking in the curriculum, perhaps. Right. So, so these are maybe like professors at university, that's, that's level, but there are also teachers for all souls because we're all learning, whether we know it or not. That's, that's what we're here to do, I, be- I believe. That's how I see the world.
1: Right, 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 right. Just like just like a toddler is learning. Whether you're teaching the child or not, they're learning. Yes. And so um, yes, all we could see everyone, our uh, partners, our children, um, our school teachers, our physical school teachers, uh, the community, bosses, co-workers, all as teachers, but. Who's designing the overall curriculum? You know what I mean? Who's designing is, like, what do you need for this program that you're taking? I hope that makes sense.
2: Yes, it does. It's God, ultimately. But then, as they say, God delegates. And I think God delegates through other spiritual beings, Um, and these these masters would be part of the, the company of heaven, you might call them, the spiritual hierarchy which uh, manages the, the world. Um, this, the saints. There are many many ways of describing these people.
1: Mm-hmm. And said, masters. Yes. Yeah, archangels.
2: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. The, but the idea is that they um, they guide souls who are still caught up in the in in this world with the idea that we become one of them eventually Mm
3: -hmm.
2: and they may then move on to to other levels of of being because i i conceive the spiritual world as endlessly deep and there's always more there's always higher levels you can go there's always brighter light to put in in those terms
1: hmm And so with the analogy of Earth being a school, are there any souls who choose not to go to school?
2: I'm sure there are because the the essence of the human state is it's free will. Mm-hmm. I this is what almost defines a human being is is the ability to make his or her own choices, own decisions. So you can accept to Get with the curriculum and and to learn your spiritual lessons, or you can reject it. And unfortunately, these days a lot of people do seem to be rejecting it. Um, I think we live in quite dark times spiritually speaking. When I
1: was ask you about that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how would how would it look for someone to reject these lessons?
2: Well, to deny. Spiritual reality is a is a good start in rejecting the lessons. Sometimes, even if you do that, because of the infinite compassion of God and the Masters, you're still taught lessons. You you, know, you don't just flounder. You still have you have experiences, and and through these experiences, you learn. And so maybe the, these experiences will eventually open you up to to embracing a, a wider worldview, a more spiritual worldview. In which case, you can. You can actively go with the lessons. Sometimes many people learn despite themselves because of what comes to them. But right. if you if you get on board the train, you can you can go faster, as it were. So so I think we're all learning, whether we whether we want to or not, whether we are with the program or not. I think we're all learning, but it's much much better to. Um, to get with the program and to to embrace spiritual reality, to know that this world is is it's a training ground really for, for higher levels of being, which does not to denigrate this world at all. I mean, this world is is a beautiful place. You know, God looked at creation and saw that it was good, and even though it's a, a fallen world, it's still it's still part of God's creation. So it's. It's good, but it's not the be-all and end-all of our lives, and our real selves right. come from elsewhere. And as I like to say, we're not we're not human beings with a spiritual side. We are spiritual beings in in human bodies. So the, yes. That's what we are. We are
1: yes. Yes. And I believe the human experience is what we came for, in terms yes. of the physical body relationships physical aspects of relationships in terms of terms of communication competition um all of these things we came to learn much like we uh back back when i was in college i don't know how it is in the uk but we'd get these course catalogs of all of the different classes that were taught at the university and you go to your the page that has your major what you're studying and then here are all the courses you have to take, and here are the electives, and then we get to select what we want to learn. So I look at it as, well, this semester I wanted to learn compassion, so uh, I suppose I'd better um, perhaps have a some sort of di- difficulty or a disease that I need to learn compassion toward myself and learning various things that we feel like we need to or want to learn for whatever reason. Hmm.
2: I think okay. so, I, but... The- the main the main lesson is to open our hearts up to spiritual reality. Mm-hmm. And then other things will come from that. Because when you when you accept that I think if you accept there is a creator
3: mm-hmm.
2: and and this world is a creation, that gives you a totally different outlook.
0: Are you a healthcare professional looking to translate psychedelic research into practice? Then register for Psychedelic Harm Reduction and Integration, a professional training offered by psychologist Elizabeth Nielsen and Ingmar Gorman at the Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York, May 24 through 26. Earn 12 continuing education credits as you discover how to better support clients who have an interest in psychedelics. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive.
1: Did you know that Radiate Wellness is more than just a podcast? That's right. We're also a comprehensive, holistic wellness practice. Find out about our services, practitioners, and upcoming events at radiatewellnesscommunity.com. While you're there, visit our podcast page to read more about our great guests and even donate to the podcast. If you like our podcast, you can help in other ways as well, like subscribe or follow us wherever you're listening right now. Tell a friend, a family member, or a coworker about the great content you find here. And if you wouldn't mind, please give us a thumbs up, a five-star rating, or a positive review. Sounds like a small thing, but it really helps. You might like to know about our Facebook communities while we're at it. We have a free community, the Radiate Wellness Community, on Facebook for news and great free content. Our subscribers group is Radiate You, as in the letter U, but also, well, you. There you'll find curated replays of past classes, guest interviews, and more. And now, Back to our podcast and back to our guest.
2: Nowadays we talk a lot, especially now, about the environment, don't we? And I don't like that word because I think that's a materialistic word—a way to describe the world in which we live. I think if we think of it as a creation, and a lot of a lot of problems are solved, but that we would know that we can use the creation. We're we're supposed to use the creation, but we. We shouldn't exploit it or degrade it, or use it up, mm-hmm. or use it up, or use it up. Exactly, right. yeah. We, we, but we are we are meant to use it. We're meant to make a garden of the wilderness, as it were. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's a a basic thing that comes through in the Adam and Eve story when they were they were kind of stewards of creation, weren't they? Mm-hmm. That's Same what they were meant to be. But um, then, yeah, we just wanted to consume it all and spit it out. And of course, But if we see the world as a creation, then I don't think we'd do that so much. Because we'd also know that there is, there is more. There's, there's more above us and around us. And we don't just have to grab everything we can now.
1: Right, right, because that is rather a a scarcity mentality. It's a limited mentality to take it all up and use it all up. Um, You know, that kind of makes me ask the question, so if Earth is a school, uh, would Venus be a school, Mars be a school, Jupiter, Saturn, all of these other places? What other schools could there be?
2: I, I don't know. I, I I feel they must have some spiritual purpose. But I, how do I know? I, I really don't know. A lot of people say that some great spiritual beings live on Venus. Um, mm-hmm. Some people say that Mars was inhabited once and it was destroyed in a, or partially destroyed. I, haven't, I have not I've no idea. I did. Your guess is as good as mine. But I don't think we really need to worry about that because this is our planet, and this is where we are, so this is where we're meant to be. So it's interesting to speculate, absolutely, I I completely agree. And um, I I believe that all creation serves a purpose, therefore these other planets, they're not just lifeless chunks of rock or gas or whatever they might be. They do have a a function. And of course, in, in classical religion, they were gods and goddesses, weren't they? they? Those were associated with the planets from Jupiter, Venus, and what have you. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they have their role, but what that role is, I don't know. <laughs> I
1: mean, yeah, it's interesting to speculate. Um, yeah, we've heard of these spiritual masters coming from some of these different celestial places. And of course, that's just our universe. There's many, many other universes to consider. Um, there are,
2: but mm-hmm. perhaps we, can, we get a bit carried away if we worry about them now. I'm sure it'll be very interesting when, when we reach a certain level to to interact with those levels of consciousness. But sometimes, and I know this is the case in with occultism, which can be very fascinating intellectually, but you can get a little sidetracked from the real spiritual path by that because it's so fascinating it is
1: yes there's a lot to explore uh absolutely not we can get just kind of lost down that rabbit hole of speculation and thought etc etc
2: um Um, yes um you have to come back you have to come back to the fundamental thing which is yourself So. If you think about all these these planets and planes of being. That's all. That's all great. But the one thing that you have charge of, and that is your responsibility, and that you can do something about, is yourself. Right. Your, and we call it your heart, your your spiritual being, mm-hmm. and your job is to is to polish that and. It's shining and, and bright and clean and fresh. And, and then like a, a bud, it will, it will open up. and when it opens up, it will receive more of the sun. The more it opens, the more sun which is God, it will be able to receive.
1: Right. So what about the role of demons and evil? Do you believe that exists, and does that play a role in the Earth
2: School? Certainly exists. Yeah, um, evil. Evil is a fact of life. Uh, I think evil is spiritual evil, which is different to material evil. Material evil is, you know, the, the murder, violence, all that lot. We, everybody knows that's bad. But there's spiritual evil too and I think that's quite strong at the moment because it, um, it is around us. We live in a world which denies spiritual reality and that is a kind of evil because it's turning us away from, from the light and demons certainly do exist. Um, I have encountered them once or twice. I was told by the masters that they exist and that I should be Aware of myself because what they said is that demons can only affect you if there's something in you which they can attach themselves to. So imagine you have a little dark patch within yourself, which is some kind of sin to which you're attached. Now the demons work on you by by blowing on that little coal so it catches fire. But if you've got nothing in you that, of course we all have something in us because we are not perfect otherwise we wouldn't be here. But if you're aware of how these demons work on you to tempt you down the wrong path and to stimulate what's bad in you. So you have to be aware of what there is that's bad in you, whether it's anger, pride, lust, you know, the whole gamut of the, of the sins. Right. And then, and then you've got to stand back from that. Just be very conscious of it. And then, if you feel this ar- arising within you, you can just kind of detach yourself from it. Just um, let it go. Dissociate yourself from it. Mm-hmm. But then, demons also exist in a more worldly sense, right? Where they're trying to detach human beings from spiritual understanding and and lock them in this physical world because if we're in this physical world then we are well I mean if we only are in this physical world and have no comprehension of a a higher world then we're they're playthings to a degree they can they can lead us all over the place because we don't have anything that reveals them to us and and no spiritual light that can you can shine on them, so they will scurry away into the little dark corners. Right. I asked the masters once what these demons were, mm-hmm. um, and they only said to me, "They are erring souls," uh, which clearly they are. But whether they are like fallen angels, right. I think some of them are. I think I think there is a there is a hierarchy of, of demons as well. What? The writer C.S. Lewis very wittily called a lowerarchy. So,
3: <laughs>
2: so there would be all the angels there, but then there will also be human beings who've thrown in their lot with, with, with the dark side. Uh, it sounds quite grim, but it goes back to what we were saying earlier on about free will and how this is what defines the human soul. Is is the ability to make a choice. That's one thing even God can't change is our free will because he's given us that and he can't take it back because it would render giving it to us null and void in the first place. So there we are.
1: Um, this is kind of an off-the-wall question, William, but what about extraterrestrials? Those who do not necessarily belong to this planet? but who might belong to other planets? Do they have schools of their own? Do they come here for school?
2: I'm sure there are such things. Mm -hmm. I think think a lot of what we think of as extraterrestrials now could possibly be demons. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of what I hear about people who've been abducted, for instance, by them, it doesn't sound the sort of thing spiritual people would do. Um, And I know... I know there's a, a school of thought that thinks basically everything is extraterrestrials. But I don't think that. I, I think they exist whether they come in spaceships, that seems rather materialistic sort of way, or whether they exist on inner dimensions of being mm-hmm. and, and can manifest on the physical world sometimes, that would seem to be more likely given the the strange appearances of Craft and so on, where they will sort of come into view and then disappear from view, almost as though they are materialising from another dimension, and then off they go again. And so, and so, the beings themselves seem to share a lot of links with um, with fairies from traditional folklore.
1: I think so too. Well, so this is an This this leads to another question: Is yeah, what about the um, other beings that share this planet with us—the fairies, the divas, the angels, the uh, the um, uh, elementals, the I don't know, the sprites, the leprechauns—all of those Mm -hmm. beings—are they here to learn as well?
2: I I'm not sure if they're here to learn. Maybe they are, but they 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 serve the world. They. Mm The elementals and so on, they are kind of like the soul of nature. They, they tend the natural processes, I think. Mm-hmm. This medium I talked about, Michael, he was clairvoyant as well, and he could see these. Yes. The purpose, uh, sometimes. And he would tell me he would see them darting around from flower to flower sometimes, like you know, like little bees. These are the small, small nature spirits. thing. Like, And then, of course, there are the great devas who are like who are angels. I think they're the same thing. In Christianity, we call them angels. In Hinduism, they're called devas, but I think they are the same being. So there is a again, there's because the spiritual world is all hierarchy. There is a hierarchy of these beings too, who are probably on a different line of evolution to human beings, uh, parallel evolution. But sure, they they are there on the on the inner planes, um,
1: right, right. Just as as part of um, the world as a whole and interacting well, with humans because they do interact with us quite a bit.
2: Um, they, they do with some people. I, I don't have any personal experience of that, but but um, I say Michael saw nature spirits sometimes.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Some people see them. they? Don't them. Do
1: yes, I, ha- I have them living in my house and in my my backyard as well as the, everywhere in the neighborhood. I see them all over.
2: You see um, what the, the nature spirits? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yes, the fairies. The
2: how do how do they look to you? Do they do they take a form which is one that might be familiar to you, or or do they seem as though you're seeing objective?
1: Sometimes they do take the that form, but most more often than not, it's more of a, a glistening shimmery energy mm-hmm. that I perceive. I just see their, their energetic essence.
2: I, yeah, I think that's possibly maybe what they are. We can sometimes mm-hmm. put the form on with our own minds, but we're, we're perceiving their essence, as you say, yeah.
1: Right. I think sometimes we, um, we just kind of fill in the blanks of what we know as an overlay onto something we don't understand.
2: That, that makes a lot of sense, yeah. I mean, the one time I have seen something like that was actually when I was with Michael. We were in... Um, somewhere in Somerset in England. It's it, Glastonbury, it's called. It's, it's a well-known town. Um, stuff. And we were in a garden, and he said, my goodness, this place is crowded. And I said, what do you mean? And he said, can't, can't you see them? He said, the little nature spirits all over the place. I've never seen so many. And all over, yes. I, I could see a few little flashes of light. Not very much, but that's, that's the only time. So rather what you've just described is is what I saw on that occasion.
1: Oh, yes, and they do, yes, I do see them manifest as, as dashing um, little points of light as well.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah, they're beautiful to watch. Um, so, yeah, That's I always want to take account of, of them, all of the nature spirits, and our, um, our companion animals.
2: Um, yeah, no, I don't know about that, but um, I've, I've heard that there are such things. Yeah. They're sort of like mini angels, really, aren't they?
1: Hmm. Well, I'm, I'm speaking, too, of our companion animals, our pets, the animals that we choose to have go along uh, on our journey with. Um, yeah, where do you feel they, that, that our animals, our dogs, our cats, our horses, our birds, our rabbits that we take into our home, how do you feel like they um, interact in this school?
2: Everything is learning. All all forms of life, even even stones, minerals. Yes, all have consciousness. You know, they say God, God sleeps. God sleeps in the stone. He dreams in the plant. He wakes in the animal, and he thinks in man. So, wow, there is divine consciousness in all life. Life would be without divine consciousness. So. Right. Animals, are on, animals are on their path. Whether they're progressing to the human state or on, a, on their own path, I don't know. But uh, God is in every form of life. Otherwise, it could not be. And, and Jesus said these stones would cry out if if something, I forget what it was, but he, he talked about consciousness in stones or what he said could be interpreted as there being consciousness in stones so there is consciousness in even stones but it's yes. it's, asleep. it's It's not conscious of itself at all of course
1: right 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 or conscious in a way that we would recognize perhaps too but what you said about Jesus um, it was a question actually I had about your book William is that you mentioned Christianity and Christ throughout the book Um, What about some of these other religions, Buddhism, Hinduism? Well, Buddhism isn't really a religion, but Hinduism, Judaism, uh, some of the polytheistic, pantheistic type of religions.
2: Yeah, I mean, these are all approaches to the divine. I think that the highest approach is through Christ, because I think Christ brought something unique and special and the way healed the world which was broken because there's a couple of chapters in the book about the differences between Buddhism and Christianity Mm -hmm. and I mean I have the greatest respect for Buddhism but I think Christianity goes further because the essence of Buddhism is to transcend your sense of self and to transcend the material world and just to enter into nirvana, which can be conceived as a state of your being. Which is, in a way, like abandoning matter, the spirit, your spirit. You enter into pure spirit, which is a thing that one can do. But, but the material world, which for Buddha was a world of suffering and sickness, that's what started him on his original path, can be healed through Christ, and I think that's what Christ did. He healed the, the sickness in the world. So for a Christian, the self is not something there to get rid of or to leave behind, but it's something which can be ennobled and cleansed of its darkness. And so it remains, because we, th- we say that God is love, and that's perhaps one of our highest conceptions of God. But you can only have love if you have a self. If, if there's no self, you can have a kind of universal blanket compassion, but you can't have love, because love is between, it's a relationship between beings,
3: mm.
2: and if you're going to have that therefore you have to have the beings and they have to they have to be individual if, if I love you it's I love you it's it's not just love there are there are expressions of, of love love is expressed from something to something and so I think what Christianity has and other religions lack to a degree is well first of all it's Christ and I think Christ is the personification of love but it's also also a strong sense of the personal, which is something that um, can be brought up. So eventually matter and spirit uh, are joined together. Matter is not left behind, as it really is in Buddhism. They sometimes will say, oh no, it's not, but it really is. (laughs) Um, it's, It's transformed from within and it's as a kind of cosmic marriage between spirit and matter, and I think that's what the school ultimately, at the end of the day, is to bring about this this cosmic marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know the, the Buddha is a celibate, <laughs> but in, in Christianity there is there is this joining together of spirit and matter, which is illustrated by Christ, when he ascended, he took his body with him. He didn't just go off in a beam of light or whatever.
3: Mm-hmm. His,
2: body was, his body was made into a, a thing of light, I think. That's the spiritualization of the material atoms and he took it up into heaven with him. And ultimately, I think that's what we're all destined to do if we want to, if we go along that path, which is the path that's the highest path we can choose, I think. Right, right, right.
1: Um, yeah, yes. I see what you're saying. And it's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Which
2: is not to denigrate any other religion. All other religions are all paths to God, but I just think Christianity is the one that contains the greatest truth it's the most complete Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. well it is the embodiment of the physical of the human within the divine and vice versa so yes that's interesting Um, so what is the earth school then to someone from one of these other traditions how do they encounter this school how do they move through it
2: well, they, they have the same lessons to learn. It doesn't really matter what religion you're in. Okay. You, you're still, you're, your goal is to become aware of spiritual truth. Mm-hmm. Um, most, most religions, other than Buddhism and certain forms of Hinduism, believe in God, believe in a creator. Right. Um, the ones that don't rather seek to a uh, kind of impersonal being now, if that's what they want, I'm sure they can get that. And they are, in a way, learning. I don't think they're going through the highest grades, so though, if they do that. I think they're, they're missing out on something. And it may be that when they, after their death, they find, actually, it could be more than this. I, I thought that this the state of nirvana was, the, you know, the, the highest absolute truth. But maybe maybe there's something more, because this is this is the good thing about the school, is there's no real end to it. There is in the in the earthly sense. Then you, you graduate and and you're free. But um there's always more that one can learn. There's, there's no end to the, the glories of the divine being.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, yes, other, other religions, they have they are learning the same lessons, really. Most religions have very similar spiritual yeah. teachings.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, and, um, you know, along that vein, what would you say about, then, the agnostics, the atheists?
2: I would say they need to wake up, <laughs> really. <laughs> I would say that, um, because... They have surrounded themselves with a kind of barrier, which stops them growing. They, they might get you know they might get cleverer. They might get in, in modern forms as this transhumanism, isn't there, where you try and blend human beings with a uh, with machines, which I think is diabolical. But they might go down that path, and they might learn through making mistakes what the truth is. They might experience the consequences of their thoughts and their, their wrong choices. But you know even even atheists and agnostics can progress along the spiritual path to a certain degree. There'll come a point where they have to change. But they're not they're not just damned, I'm not saying that at all.
3: No. But
2: I am saying that they they are hampering themselves, they're stopping their proper development. They're like a butterfly that refuses to realize it's got wings. Right? I've just got these big shoulders sticking out of my back, but can't do anything with them. So, so that butterfly can still walk around on the, on the on the twig, but you can't fly off anywhere.
1: see, I, I do see those uh, types of life, that is agnostic and atheist, as being like one of the many courses you can take in the Earth School. I see it as
0: something to
1: learn from.
2: Well, that's exactly, you could learn from that, but I I still think you'd be better off breaking out of that shell because it is a shell because you're living in, you're living in ignorance because the divine reality is the truth. And if you're An agnostic is a little different to an atheist, aren't they? I mean, you you put them both in the same bracket, but I think an agnostic is more open. An atheist is somebody who is even more enclosed, I think. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: they do need to break out of that atheism. I mean, the idea is that some of them, when people have denied an afterlife, when they die, will will find themselves in a, like a dark room. And they have to, they have to open themselves up to the, to the light to get out of that room because they have in their mind, and when you move on to the next world after you've left your physical body, your your environment, your exterior state, it will be a reflection of your mental state. So they have created in their minds this mental state of nothingness. So... That's what they'll get, and until they will experience that, and and then also there will be beings that will come to them, will try to come to them, and op- open things up for them, because God doesn't leave anybody alone. Um,
1: beings, you mean angels,
2: uh, angels, just other human souls on in the uh, next world, yeah, Wh- whatever, whoever's available, you know, maybe maybe their mother,
1: <laughs> right, absolutely.
2: Um, someone like that, who, who will come and say, look, here's a little, here's a little doorway. You can just come through this doorway in, into a bit more light. But, um, and I think they will, because I, I think very, very few people are so uh, caught up in denial that they would refuse it once they saw it. It's just, we have the misfortune at the moment to live in a world whereby atheism is very easy, because that's the culture, really. I mean, some people are exposed to religion when they're growing up. Fewer and fewer, it seems to me, uh, have any real religious understanding. I mean, people have, they have the religious understanding of, of children, because that's all they're given. They, you know, A few little Bible stories or something, but they don't have any deeper awareness of a proper metaphysical grasp of life because they're not offered that
1: right Of how it actually applies to them how it um, applies to their life and their living their way of living yes and embracing this spirituality in the human in the physical experience of it so that's really
2: easy to be an atheist in today's world to an extent because we have a nice house we have food at the supermarket we can get. We can jump in our car and go on holiday or something. We can go in a plane. We can do all sorts of stuff. But imagine all that's taken away from you. Mm-hmm. You, you don't have your comfortable bed, your pretty garden, your, your good job at the university or the law firm or whatever. You're just on your own in a, in a wilderness. You would start looking at life in a very different way then because we've surrounded ourselves, which is great, with, with, but it's artificial. It, this artificial world we live in. It's not the real world. So it's easy to be an atheist in that kind of world. And then we have these, these philosophies, which most people have given, um, which seem moderately convincing for mater- materialism, but they're not really when you, when you analyze them. They don't explain life. They don't explain consciousness. They don't explain love or beauty. goodness, they don't explain anything on a qualitative level but people think they do but um, that's because they don't really think hard enough I think
1: Absolutely, well perhaps they need to go to the next grade, go to the next levels, take the graduate course, etc Yeah, I mean
2: that's it they could be learning other things that's They don't necessarily have to be learning spiritual things all the time because everything goes in the mix eventually. But I think if they really want to move on and prepare themselves for the, the next world because don't forget we're in this world for 70, 80 years or whatever. So in a way, it's just a preparation for what happens after that. I think you can make yourself a wonderful life in this world maybe, but that's going to come to an end. And and then what? Um, So I think you have to have an eye on on that long-term state. And if you can say to yourself, "Okay, it'll be nothing, I'm just going to eat, drink and be merry, um, seek my fulfilment in this world. But I think most people, if they reflect a bit, think that's not really enough. Because we are spiritual beings and there is this little seed of God within us all all of us have this seed of God within us and that, that seed needs to grow
1: yes beautiful beautiful that's a good point to leave us with each one of us is that seed and that needs to grow and we do that in a school called earth is there anything that you feel that is important for our listeners to know that we haven't gone over, that we haven't discussed?
2: Sure, there's many, many things. Um, I know
1: we could be here for twenty
2: hours.
1: <gasps> I know. Yeah, yeah you, there's you
2: many. Want tonight. Sorry you Halloween tonight. You can't be here for 20 hours.
1: <laughs> we can't be here. And I don't know that anybody would be prepared for, to listen to a conversation that long. But I think we could be here for quite a long time talking about all of the things that this entails. Because um, after all, this is our life. This is our our, our very being that we're talking about. And there's a lot that goes into it. Um, if so, somebody wants to connect with you, how would they connect with you?
2: Well, I have a, I have a blog which is called Meeting the Masters. Um, and they can connect with me through that. Um, so this this book, Earth is a School, has just been published, actually. I think on Friday it was published. Yeah. And so that is my my latest book. I've written four other ones. Uh,
1: and are those this, available on your... Are those mentioned on your blog?
2: They are, yes, yeah. And they're on Amazon as well, um,
1: Right, and this book is through John Hunt Publishing, so...
2: It's people... through John Hunt Publishing, yes, and uh, as I say, they, they brought it out on Friday, mm-hmm. and um, it's available in all good bookshops. Um, I laugh because I don't know how many bookshops are left now. It's rather sad, isn't it? But
1: it is But rather sad. Mm-hmm. I
2: said that to my sister, and she said, well, we've got a bookshop where I live, so that's good.
1: Oh. Is. We have a chain of bookshops where I live, but we do have uh, at least one independent bookshop. It's important to support those, and there are ways to support independent booksellers. You can go directly to their website and uh, and order books through them. It might take a little bit longer, but it's very worth it
2: to support. I, it. I think it is. I, I think we will have very lost if all these things disappear from our from our towns and cities, um, and we just have. I don't know supermarkets and state agents. What do you call real estate? Yeah, oh. in, in England we have many real estate shops now, but uh, and, and coffee shops as well. That's just-
1: yes, that's my that's my lifeblood is coffee shops. But um, right, we we need to to support independent booksellers wherever we can, and and independent. Um, Shops of all types, wherever we can. So, William, thank you so much for coming on today to talk about your new book, which is Earth is a School, which I think is very important for us all to understand. But anyway, thank you for being
2: here with me today. Well, thank you very much, Christy, for having me on your show and giving me the opportunity to talk about the book. I've very much enjoyed talking with you and meeting you, and uh, you. I hope other people might too
1: uh, i do too i would love to continue the conversation maybe in another episode in a few months because there's certainly a lot to talk about
2: yes well get 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 in touch anytime you'd like to I, i'd be very happy to do that
1: wonderful thank you so much william wild wood wild blood which is a cool name all right thank you
0: Radiate Wellness is an international community of holistic and alternative healers dedicated to helping you create spiritual, energetic, and physical well-being. To learn more about our practitioners, services, classes, and events, or to schedule an appointment, visit us at radiatewellnesscommunity.com.